readings this morning, and the first one can be found in the Old Testament, reading Micah chapter 5 and can be found on page 931 in the Bibles in front of you. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. And the second reading can be found in the New Testament, Luke 2, starting at verse 1, and can be found on page 1026. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was to be the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Good morning, everyone. It is a great day to be here in church. It's one of my favourite days of the year. 
And it is a wonderful blessing to have you come and join us together. And if you are from out of town, a very warm welcome to Manly. Uh, It is a great place to be in summer and it's a great place to be for Christmas. And if you're new to St Matthew's, a very warm welcome to us on this Christmas Family Day service. Let us pray and then I'm going to give the Christmas message. Father, we do thank you for all your blessings to us, particularly your word that helps us to know you. And on this day, we pray that your living word, the Lord Jesus, would be alive in our hearts by your spirit, speaking to us as we reflect on the great story of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, everyone that I know loves a good story. I think it's one of these universal realities of life. And it doesn't matter what culture you come from. In fact, you know, across cultures, stories have this incredible power to them. And they've got a power to explain as well as entertain us and move us. And the reality with stories is you can be moved to tears because of the way a story can touch your heart. But you can have another story that can lead to uncontrolled laughter as you reflect on some of the funny sides of life. They've got an immense power to them. And um, there's a funny story that happened to a friend of mine who's a pastor down in Wollongong whose name's Tony, Pastor Tony. And I ministered down there for many years. And anyway, one Christmas Eve, um, he noticed there was a lad from around the corner, Larry, and it's school holidays and, you know, boys are up to kind of no good. But he, he looked a bit lost. And anyway, he went up to this house, which was just around the corner from uh, Pastor Tony's house. And Larry goes up and he's trying to reach the doorbell, but he's quite small and he can't reach it. So Tony thinks, that, you know, he'd be a good Samaritan, come and help Larry, you know, connect with the um, neighbour who's trying to um, say hello to. So Larry goes, you want me to help? Yep. So Larry um, looks as Tony presses the doorbell and the doorbell rings. And he's got this big smile on his face, this little kid. And so Tony gets down to him and says, so what do we do now? And Larry looks at him and says, now we run. (laughs) I do love that story. Um, I remember my days of mischief in the local streets. But there's also a saying that relates to great stories. Let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. Ever heard that said? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story? Well, I have to confess to you, as I am a pastor, I just made that story up. It was actually a Christmas joke. But I thought I'd just embellish it and tell you about Pastor Tony, who actually doesn't exist. But why let the truth get in the way of a good story? I mean, you all laughed. We had a good time. And I say that because we live in a year where I think the biggest news story has been the election of Donald Trump. And it's something that has really dominated the news cycle and journalism for literally 12 months. And people 12 months ago were saying... There's no way he can win the election. I mean, I said that sooner or later, the Americans will wake up to him. Now, if we've got any Americans here today, welcome. (laughs) Okay, we do love you. We just think your politics are very interesting, if I can put it in that term. Um, And what struck me about the election was, I did wonder whether Americans had taken to heart the saying, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? And there's lots of theories about why Trump won and lots of articles and journalism pieces written on it. My version of it is this. Uh, When you listen to what went on and reflect on it, Trump created a compelling story that tapped into this deep unrest in middle America. 
And he painted this picture of reality and he basically sold a story to them that people wanted to believe. And millions voted for that story because they think Trump can help them. And at a very deep emotional level, he tapped into a very real angst in the American people. But I want, to listen, I want you to listen to what the New York Times editorial board wrote about him. And if you followed the election, you know they weren't his greatest fan. I read, Donald Trump created a compelling story that tapped into the unrest and angst of middle America. He painted a picture of reality that the people wanted to believe that offered them hope. And millions voted for him and his story, but... Sorry, I'm reading what my uh, thing. For him, facts aren't the point. Trust is. Like any autocrat, he wins his followers' trust, let's call it a blind trust, by lying to them so often and so brazenly that millions of people give up on trying to distinguish truth from falsehood. He's not just indifferent to facts, he can be hostile to any effort to assert them. Very interesting quote. He's not just indifferent to facts, he can be hostile to any effort to assert them. And I'm sure you remember some of the campaign lines. And you can see one of them there, I'm going to make America great. Uh, Another one, I I can fix the mess, I'm going to build the wall. Well, we wait to see what will happen with that one. Another one is, we'll lock her up. Already he's backpedalled from that response in terms of what he was saying about Hillary. Now, why do I mention this? I really do deeply wonder whether people feel we are the same as Christians when we come to celebrate this story of Christmas. We haven't really worried too much about the truth getting in the way of a good story. And it is an incredible story. But I wonder this morning whether you feel it's a story that's been embellished and spun over years to create this magical narrative about this 15-year-old girl called Mary. And it's an incredible story. This young girl who is probably 15 years of age falls pregnant and she's engaged. Now that age and stage of life was common in that culture. But she knows, and it's a culture of purity. Ooh, what is that doing? I thought I started my stopwatch and I started a timer. And that was not meant to be the end of the sermon. (laughs) Bad luck. I'll just get myself together. We're talking about Mary and it's a great story. She's this 15-year-old virgin in a culture of purity who falls pregnant and she's engaged to Joseph. And she wonders what on earth is going on and can you imagine what is going through her head? And can you imagine what is going through Joseph's head? Well, we know what went through Joseph's head. It's, well, game over. I'm getting out of here. Both of them are visited by angels, we're told, in the story. Mary is told, actually, you're going to have the baby that's going to be the saviour of the world. And they're going to call your child Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know how you would feel about that if you were a mother And you got told your child is going to be the son of the Most High and he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. Well, Joseph, well, he's out of here. He thinks this is complete nonsense until he has a visit by the angel. And the angel says, wise up, you've got to do this. 
The child is born in a manger surrounded by animals, not by royalty. Mary and her husband Joseph are forced to flee the country of their origin due to state persecution. They live in Egypt for two years as asylum seekers before returning to their homeland. The child grows up to perform signs and wonders such that the world has never seen before. Imagine being the mother of a child who is raising the dead. The blind are seeing, the healed, the, the sick are healed, the lame are walking, the mute are speaking. Your child. You then witness him brutally, unjustly dying on a cross in a barbaric execution. You then witness him being raised from death three days later and then ascending to heaven. It is an incredible story. But is it just a good story that we've not worried about whether the truth is real? One cynical writer from the Humanist Association put it this way, the vast majority in Christendom know in their heart of hearts that the Christmas story is a myth, but they play along with the whole charade, thus ensuring that Christmas is an orgy of hypocrisy on a grand scale. In other words, wake up, it's just a good story and Christians have not let the truth get in the way of it. And I want to say a couple of things about that this morning. First is this, uh, this is not a story that was made up after the event to kind of make Christians or the early church feel better about themselves. It goes back hundreds of years in terms of prophecies. Now in our Western culture, we don't typically have that kind of prophetic literature. It was very much part and parcel of that culture and in particular Israel and hundreds of years before there were a number of things that were prophesied about a child who would come and be the king. The one that we had read for us this morning is from the book of Micah. He prophesied over 700 years before Jesus' birth and he said, you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, you might wonder why the second name is there. It's because there were two Bethlehems in Israel. This is the smaller one. It's being very specific. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancients of times. That's just one prophecy. There's others that speak of the virgin birth. There's others that speak about the names that will be given to him. Uh, This is a child that was waited for. And it's part of a much bigger story. The story of God at work in all of human history. But secondly, it's a story that was anchored within history. Now, when your kids go to bed, if you've got young kids, I'm sure you'll read stories that start like this. Once upon a time, a very poor woodcutter lived in a tiny cottage in the forest with two of his children, Hansel and Gretel. His second wife often ill-treated the children and was forever nagging the woodcutter. Now, you're familiar with those stories, aren't you? You can talk about Cinderella, you can talk about a whole range of characters. And they all begin the same way, once upon a time. What's striking, though, is when you have a look at the way the story of Christmas is introduced to us. And have a look at those words on the screen there. They're from the beginning of Luke chapter 2. In those days. In those days, Caesar Augustus. You know who Caesar Augustus is. He was one of the Roman emperors. Well, in those days when Caesar Augustus was ruling as the emperor, there was a decree issued that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now... What strikes me is this. Jesus' birth was not once upon a time. 
it is deeply anchored into a particular time in human history. And you read on, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. It's a real event within real history. Now, we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December, and it's worth saying this. We don't actually know the real date for his birth. We do know when Easter happened because of the way it's tied, historically, to the Jewish festivals and the Passover. But we don't know the date of Christmas specifically. Now, let me just say, it's not an issue. The church basically worked out many centuries ago that this was the day we would remember his birth within history. And that's why it's written in those days when Caesar Augustus was ruling, when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. These events took place. Let me just say, uh, these two things, the um, prophetic predictions, the historic nature of them, those in themselves do not create what we call the story of Christmas. Because this is a world changing story. Now just have a look at a couple of photos here. Um, What event is up on the screen there? It's the World Trade Centre on 9-11. Those two numbers will be forever etched into our memory. The world changed in terms of global terrorism that day. I remember actually physically watching the second plane on Channel 10 late night news flying to the building. The world changed in a way that has been horrific. You probably don't recognise that photo. But they talk about this as being one of the 10 great moments in world history in terms of affecting and changing the world. It is when the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria took place. Why was that significant? Historians link that to the trigger that set off the chain of events that began World War I and after that World War II, you need to see both together. We've never had world war like we have had since that assassination. Do you know this figure? He also has changed the world. His name is Alexander Fleming. Medicos probably are going, yes, we know what he did. What did he do? Created penicillin. Changed the medical world. Now, I could go on with some other events. There's actually a greater event that took place that has changed all of world history. And it's what we're celebrating today. It's the birth of Jesus. Now, let me just say, it's so significant an event, world history is now divided and accounted for by this very day that we're celebrating. BC stands for before Christ. AD stands for, um, Latin translation, in the year of our Lord. In other words, we now understand that the world needs to be ordered by the arrival of the king, Jesus, his birth. It's the day when God, the creator, became part of the creation. It's the day when God came to seek us and find us. It's the day when rather come and judge the world, he actually came to save the world. 
And one of my favourite verses is John 3.17. Now, most people may know John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you see, this is the wonderful news about Christmas. There will be a day when he comes to judge the world, but this is not Christmas. He came to seek us and find us so that we can know who God is. And have a look at those, uh, those great verses, verse 10, 11 and 12. And it's given to the shepherds, which I think is highly significant. In other words, the first people to discover the wonder of Christmas, they're not the great ones. It's the common man and woman working out in the field. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And I want you just to stop and think for a minute about this. And the wonder of this story on this day, Christmas... And are we guilty of not letting the truth get in the way of a good story? Now, what do you mean by that, Bruce? It strikes me there are two stories today being played out for what this day means. There's the day that we recognise historically as Christmas Day. But for many people, today really is just happy holidays. And it's a great day in Australian life. There's presents, there's holidays, there's food, there's feasting. And you'll get together, and at my place, we have turkey and ham and roast veggies, Cumberland sauce, there's an entree, normally seafood. Uh, Mum cooks and has cooked ever since I've known the steamed plum brandy pudding. She pours the brandy over, we light it. We and I, when I was young, we used to have the little thrippences. Do you remember those? And for those who don't know, if you ate one, your parents had to get them back so they'd pay you for them, so you got money for eating dessert. And it was funny, we used to hate the pudding, but man, we would go right into it. <laughs> and my great joy was my mum told me, you can't do it with modern coins because of what happens. They um, give off chemicals into the food, but the old ones you could cook with. And she found them this year so we can play that game again. I can't wait. I'll get all of $2. <laughs> but is that all Christmas is? A happy holiday season where there's gift giving and food feasting. And time off. Because that is the story for many people today. And it's built on a deeper story called materialism within Australian culture. It's alive and well. That what life is all about and just about is enjoying food, feasting, friends, experiences, whatever. And friends, I want to say to us today, because you've actually come to church... That is not what the Christmas story is about, though it's a part of the story. And it's a good part of the story. I'm looking forward to lunch today. I hope you have a great time in the present giving. It's a wonderful day. Don't hear me railing on that. It is a fantastic part. But what it's built on is not materialism. It's built on the fact that God has given us himself in the form of his son. That the greatest gift that was ever given is the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the reality that we want to embrace and build our Christmas upon. That's the story of Christmas. And it's a story of salvation today 
In the town of David, a saviour is born to you. He has come to save us from ourselves and materialism and self-destruction and greed. He's come to save us from racism and the inequality that flows from that. He's come to save us from God himself and our rejection of him and treating him as if he doesn't exist. He's come to save us from his judgment and wrath that will come one day when he returns. And he's ultimately come to save us from death and destruction. And Christmas announces the best news in world history that has changed this world. Christmas tells us that God has come close. And he's taken on skin and flesh and human emotion. Christmas announces that God could be known now that he is close. That he has spoken to us through the Lord Jesus Christ with clarity. If you want to know God and you're wondering, is there a God out there? Look at Jesus. And the answer will be given to you. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Christmas announces that God is for us in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. There is no one too far away. There is no one who is too broken. There is no one who is too desperate, too sinful. He came for us all. And so I want to finish by just asking, which story of Christmas will you believe this year? Is it the one that is just about food and feasting and gift giving? Or will you come close and receive the greatest gift, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life that comes in his name through his life, death and resurrection? That's the question to ask this year. What story are we celebrating? I'm going to stop and just ask us to be quiet and pray. And on this Christmas Day, I'd like to give you just a moment just for you to talk with the Lord Jesus yourself. He's alive, he's risen, he's in heaven. And what response do you want to make to the gift he offers of eternal life? Let's talk quietly to God. And if you'd like to fill out your Connect cards as well, if you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear it. If you've got any comments, please put them down. But let's just be quiet and reflect and pray to our great saviour, Jesus Christ, right now. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas, this incredible story that you have come amongst us in the form of your son, that you love us, that you call us back to yourself to repent and to believe the great news that you died for us. Help us to come to you this day, fill our heart with joy and peace in believing. Father, I pray that our family celebrations and times together with friends are wonderful and significant and filled with joy and harmony. But at a deeper level, Lord, may we find our meaning and our hope and our joy in knowing you, the God who has come to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.